Francois Pinot had, um, obviously they won the World Cup in 1995, he became very good friends with Madiba. Madiba is actually his son's godfather, his eldest son, and he went to Saracens to go and play rugby and he sat and had a lunch with Madiba and Madiba said that's fine, you can go, but you have to come back here and you have to make a difference. And that's where the name MAD came from. Welcome back to the reInvent Health podcast, where I get to chat with some of the most interesting people about creating passion, meaning, and purpose. Once in a while, you get the privilege of speaking to people who really make a tangible difference in the world, and Dale Roth is just one of those people. Together with her husband, Sean, Dale founded Mad to Run in 2012, which supports the Make a Difference Foundation. Dale shares her story and her passion and lives by the belief that we can all do one thing to help ease the suffering in the lives of people less fortunate than we are. If you are looking for a way to get out of your head and make a difference in someone else's life, visit madtorunadventures.co.za and please help this amazing team continue to change the lives of young people. A couple of years ago, I heard somebody being interviewed on the radio, and the story was somebody ran to Cape Town from Joburg, and like, what the hell? And in those days, I wasn't a runner. I also thought, why would you want to run long distance? I was always a sprinter, and the concept of keeping your heart rate low and running at the same time is also a foreign, but it stood out in my brain. Mm. So what is your background? I mean, were you always an athlete? Was this something that you... Not even a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a little bit. So in fact, from my side of things, I used to play tennis at school and then did nothing else after high school at all. I maybe popped into the odd virgin active (laughs) across the years, but absolutely not. And then I married a runner. Uh Uh-huh. And literally my life changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his story was he was actually about 135 kilograms at the age of sort of 21, I think. Um, this is before I met him. <laughs> and he started running and he fell in love with running and he lost a ton of weight. Um, and to de- like this year would have been his eighth comrades. Good so he's really transformed his life um, because of running. Um, and he's the kind of person who has to run. Yeah. He can't process information or make decisions or you know anything life-wise that he's not doing while running well you know the brain is designed to problem solve in motion so we do sort out a lot when you're running and we're designed to do that because it's so interesting because i just think about breathing yeah, that's all my brain's doing <laughs> just breathe yeah but yes it's if we couldn't hunt wildlife yeah. and survive if we couldn't think on the run so yeah. it is a natural way of, of de-stressing and that's so interesting because he's actually we've been discussing this recently and he was saying he's now realized that the best way for him to learn was actually to walk around and he struggled at school because having to sit and be quiet his brain just didn't quite work like you that you see this with a little boys especially and they get a diagnosis of ADD yeah they're yeah. not designed to keep yeah. still. It's, it, you're sitting in a, at a desk, it's very foreign for the brain. Yeah. So, yes. So, I mean, he's 36 now and he's, he's figured out how his brain works. That's, that's <laughs> amazing. It's at least it didn't take him till he was 66. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what is the story with, with mad to run? Because it is, it's a, it's, it's a mad thing to do. It is and mad. How did it all start? So, so, Sean, my husband, he is a sports psychologist by qualification um, and he just has a love for running and he had gone to Discovery Health had hosted a conference. He used to be director of sport at a school and it was just a sport related conference and he went along and there was a guy by the name of Brahmal Herber 
And he's an expedition adventure racer. Right. And he had run, if I want to get this correct, but he ran the Great Wall of China. And so he ran about 42 k's a day for six days, would rest on the seventh day, but it took him about three and a half months to actually run the Great Wall of China. And he wrote a book about it, and he was talking about it. And he was saying, um, so it was someone who'd come into his life whose child needed a cleft palate operation. And so he decided to run the Great Wall of China to raise funds for Miles for Smiles so this child could have an operation. And his whole talk was about an NPO that he then created called DOT, which stands for Do One Thing. And he was talking about if everybody just did one thing to yes. contribute towards their, you know, their community or their city or their country, like what the world would actually look like. Yeah. And so Sean's listening to him speak, and my husband's a very emotional dude. And he called me from the side of the road on the way home crying (laughs) about how we have to do our one thing. We need to do our one thing and what are we going to do? And I remember him coming home and he was just so excited and we started talking and my honest reaction was, you're going to get over this. (laughs) Like this is, you know, you're talking about changing the world and ah, this is, Mm -hmm. you know, pipe dream stuff really. Meanwhile. And he was really determined. So he, that night, sat and sent an email out to probably about 40 people. And he said, right, I don't know what we're doing, but we're doing something. Are you in? 12 people replied. And we, that's our team. We started with 12 runners. That's, and that's the origins of Mad to Run. So then we sat down and we said, okay, well, what are we going to do? And he said, I think we should run. We should use our, what resources do we have? What's easily available to us? We were all sort of, early 20s and, and didn't really have too much you know financial backing so we're like what can we use let's use our feet and um, running is a very accessible sport you don't need um, too much equipment and we said okay we're going to run we we're going to run what are we going to do how are we going to do it and then we said um why don't we it was actually one of our friends Diervold who said came up with this our original name was actually R1F1K which stood for one rand for one kilometer so, and that principle actually remains in, in Mad to Run today. So we said, all right, because if we can, and we said, let's run a thousand Ks and we'll get a thousand people to give us one Rand per K, we'll make a million bucks. This is the easiest thing in the world. Why doesn't everybody do this? <laughs> um, and so it really evolved from many ideas. And we, so then a thousand kilometers from Joburg was down to PE. And then we thought, okay, but we're not running to anything. You just kind of, you know, and then, we, we thought about running to Cape Town, um, running specifically to the Two Oceans Marathon. And I said, okay, that feels like a good you know, finish point. It was 1,500 kilometers. Um, and then it sort of evolved. We said, okay, well, how are we going to do it? We also can only take so much time off of work. We need to kind of do it in a week. Then it became, well, we have to now do a 24-hour relay if we're going to make it. Yes. <laughs> And, um, and it took us about two years to actually work out all of the logistics of a 24-hour relay, because it would seem pretty simple, but... No, it, it seems like when you get into a massive undertaking... Very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, and, then, and, and that is actually all quite secondary to us deciding not just to run, but what's the thing we're doing? What's the cause behind it? And so Sean's uncle was a mentor in a program called MAD. It was, used to be called the MAD Charity. And he was mentoring a few kids, and we'd heard about it. We thought, okay, let's do a little bit of research. And we looked at this organization, which Francho Pino had started in 2003. 
And their story was he was sitting at a bribe with a bunch of friends. Two kids had been, someone had told him about two kids who needed funding to continue with school. Said to his friends, guys, open your wallets. Come on, we can do this. And he was like, whoa, hang on, that was quite easy. Let's do more of this. Mm -hmm. um, and they've grown their organization now. They're now called the Mad Leadership Foundation. They've evolved to completely shift their focus from just getting kids through school to creating South Africa's future leaders. Yeah. And they really are the most amazing organization. And so they are a comprehensive education trust. So they look after accommodation, food, um, stipends. So they give the kids some spending money as yeah. well. There's a lot of social elements as well to being a recipient of a bursary. Yeah. Um, and making sure that they're able to go to a better school, that they are have access to things that they need, if they play sport, that they've got the right equipment. If the school's going on a school tour, ensuring that they can participate and go, you know, so it really is about understanding the emotional, spiritual, mm -hmm. you know, all of the well-being of the scholar, not just the financial, because that's what actually ensures their success. Sure. Um, and so to kind of go back to my background personally, so I was a university lecturer for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And the biggest you know, awakening for me that I had at a, as a 21-year-old was starting to interact with kids from all backgrounds yeah. in my classroom and realizing that I actually lived in quite a bubble and I didn't realize what the majority of people in my country's lives were like. Um, and speaking to students who, you know, and I was, um, my dad's quite a strict dad, and so being on time is quite a critical thing. And one of the biggest things that I learned through my time as a teacher was what, you know, if you're in an 8 a.m. class, and how I would kick people out, they're late. Oh, it's 8 o'clock, how do you know? And to really have learned to stop and take the time to understand that people are, you know, walking 5Ks at 4am yeah. to catch three taxis and then they'd arrive at quarter past eight and there I am saying, get out, get out, how, can, how dare you be late? Um, and so for me, the idea about education and understanding what the majority of South Africans lives are like and what they do and don't have access to and how important education is in terms of you know, taking yourself to a new place um, and the necessity of that you know and so that was for me where the drive of the cause comes yes. so I'm not an athlete <laughs> I barely run um, and that for me is not even important it's all secondary actually to the mm. cause and mm. so that's where I fit in mm. so when Sean said right we're going to do this run I said okay but we need to make it really really matter and so my role became creating the brand mad to run yes so you gave up your day job Eventually, it took a couple years, it took a few years to get to that place. And, and I also think our underlying feelings, especially in 2014 when we did the first Mad to Run, was we were, it was our dot, it was our do one thing. I was also pregnant at the time, and so we were going to do our one thing and high-five each other in Cape Town and kind of go our separate ways. But what we didn't realize at the time was we'd actually created something that other people also thought was special yeah. and wanted to be a part of. And so we'd gotten a few Facebook messages from people saying, well, how do we enter? Oh. I hadn't really thought it through. And what we realized that we'd spent two years creating the logistics, we, and we have the same Excel spreadsheet now. And so our model, our sustainability, has really become having new runners each year take on the route and you know, create the, their own journey from it. Um, and also having new runners every year creates new lifeblood from a fundraising point of view. Yeah. I mean, I can't even ask friends for money <laughs> anymore at this point. So having new people come challenge themselves 
um, also introduce him to our cause and mm. to really also care about the Mad Leadership Foundation and those scholars. Mm. And just to see the momentum that Mad to Run is just so much bigger than any one person. I mean, it was built by a team of people in 2014 and it has just snowballed. Mm. So what, is it, what does it involve? How do you find people? Or do people just volunteer? So from a so we from a running perspective, we almost have to like turn some people away. Really? Um, we like I said, we've been doing it since 2014, and it's a wonderful thing. Like you know, for you also a good example. You've heard us on the radio one time. It's stuck in the back of your mind, mm. um, but majority of the time it's like I say, snowball. So someone goes, I watched my friend do this, I have to do this. I've heard someone talk about their experience and how it changed their life, I want to do this. And so it's, in fact, very rarely that somebody um, completely random, I suppose, who did maybe just hear on the radio or just see something on Facebook, who's entered. It's always some kind of a referral. Um, and we started with 12 people, and we now have a team of 44 people for the last two years. So we've actually changed our logistics to start introducing two pace vehicles, and now more people actually running on the route, because we feel like the more people who are exposed to this cause, the more people who care about it, the more people who are going to donate money, and, and that really has been quite the key in terms of raising more, more funds each year. So we had a bit of a tipping point as an event in about 2016. And I don't know if I can place my finger on it, but it really is about the, the team, that group of individuals who just, we, we hit a bit of a sweet spot after three events where we really learned how to showcase the event, how to showcase the cause um, and what it really meant to people, that it wasn't just this fun run across the country, that it was actually very, very difficult. Yeah. And to show how you could reach new capacity and depth in yourself because you're pushing yourself to the limit, but also because you're doing it for somebody else. You're not doing it for yourself. That is so key. I think mm. when it's bigger than you, you find a resource that you never thought you mm. had. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such an important experience for so many people yeah. is to actually do something that's bigger than themselves and be part of something that's bigger. And we do, as South Africans, white South Africans, we do live in a bubble. Mm. We're very protected from just what's going on over the fence. Mm. Um, but I think nowadays, that's got to end. If this world is, if this country's got to change, we've got to do more of these yeah. things. So run me through what a runner would go through, what your team goes through. <laughs> okay. So from, so from, well, in fact, the thing is, it's also what a lot of people see is just that week of running. But yeah. actually when people enter, it's almost about t a 10 month journey to even get to day one. So we also get a wide variety of runners. So we'll have people who've run comrades. We'll have people who've run their first park run will enter. That's also what makes Mataran special. You don't have to be an elite athlete to take okay. part. You could actually be at, you know, can, at the stage which you enter, you could be anywhere yeah. on the sort of running scale. Um, and that's also what's really amazing. So what you'll have is we've got 10 months then in the lead up where we do a lot of fundraising events. So it's hard work. Mm, it's <laughs> we, we ask people for a year almost of their life to really be quite committed to the cause. So it's fundraising events, it's 
it's begging, it's knocking on doors, it's asking your boss, it's asking your aunt, it's asking anyone who'll give you money. Um, and really by the end, your, your inner circle are like, please, can you just get to Cape Town already so we can stop hearing about it? Um, and then it's also the training. And, and at whatever level you're at, everyone sets a personal goal. So there's no, we have a minimum number of kilometers, which in the week is 140 kilometers, but everyone sets a personal goal. So for a lot of people, 140 is to run that in a week is absolutely a goal. Right. But then we all have people who want to run 200. It's a nice right. round number. And we have yeah. 250. And actually our record is 365 kilometers. Is that actual running the, the, on the event? Or yes, in, that's in the event. In, the in event. one week from start to finish in okay. Joburg to Cape Town. So 365. That was Clayton Kelly. Um, it's been two years now and hasn't really been... Come close, come close. Um, but that, so that's the thing. So it also becomes a personal challenge from a running perspective of what you want to achieve. That is like marathon every mm, day. Yes, that's exactly what he did. Okay. That's exactly what he did, yeah. And we had a couple of people this year um, for our 2020 event, which was supposed to be in March of this year, who had big goals. People wanted to smash that record in particular. And there were a couple of people who would have done it, but COVID really threw a bit of a spanner in the works from a training perspective. Um, so at this point, we've, you know, we've also kind of shifted gears. So, so to answer your question about what a runner would go through, so it's about 10 months of, of training and, um, and nothing can also truly prepare you. So what we do is we have an event called Mini Mad. So we do a 360-kilometer, 36-hour weekend, just a little practice weekend around Joburg. And um, it's just to give guys an idea because it's not like waking up at you know, 6 o'clock, going for a run at 7, do 20Ks, come home, go about your day. Because actually it's the lack of sleep because you're on this 24-hour cycle and the shifts are kind of all over the place. So sometimes you have an eight-hour break between your runs. Sometimes you have a 16-hour break and everyone gets one 24-hour break in the week. So the logistics are slightly complicated, but everyone does end up running the same amount at yeah. the end. Um, and so we have a mini-mad weekend to try and prepare everybody for the logistics because you, you can't just rock up and run. Yeah. You need to know what time you need to be where. You need to know your route. Where do you need to be <laughs> turning left or right? You have to prepare food. You have to, and then there's also a whole base camp that goes on behind of the scenes where tents are being set up. There's chiros, medics. There's a whole support crew as well. Mm. And so there's like a lot that goes into it, which in your everyday life is very difficult to kind of also understand. So, you know, you're juggling work and home and all these other things. But when you actually eventually get to day one, you can just... There is a sense of calm and just quiet, and, and all you're doing is this road. It's all you've got to think about. It's all you've got to worry about. And, and so there's a lot of introspection that goes on. So from a runner's perspective, we have a lot of people who get in or out of relationships, in or out of careers, um, because you have a lot of time to think. Yes. And it puts... You know, when you're just out in the middle of the Karoo and it's quiet and you're thinking also about, you're thinking about your life. It's not, it's not possible to not think about the scholar and who you're raising funds for without reflecting on your own life yes. and your privileges or your hardships or, or where you're at and, and what really makes you happy. Because you, you are digging so deep to just, on like almost like a survivalist <laughs> level. And you go, I don't want to go back home and kind of go back to my same grind something like that can only change you mm, absolutely. And the better. 
absolutely. Yeah. So your experience as a runner, I mean, you didn't, you weren't <laughs> born to run like not some born to run at all. No. Um, a lot of people actually only really um, get into running later on after yeah. their twenties. I yeah. think it's something that you need a bit more of a mature mind for endurance. Yeah. Where, how did you get into running? Well, so 100% my husband bullied me into it. There's no two ways about it. Um, and <laughs> so I started running. It was also format to run. So I'm one of those quintessential people who started running format to run. I wanted to be able to go and participate. And so I was going to run as much as I could. My job in the first year was team captain. So I was just, it was myself and another guy, Chris Darby. And our job was to make sure that everything ran smoothly. So we would be driving vehicles, making Samis, you know, all of that kind of thing. Um, and, and allowing the runners to just run, you know, precious runners. And I was like, okay, I'm going to run. And we were going to run to the two oceans. So my goal was to run the two oceans marathon. That was... Well, the 21, let me, <laughs> the half. And so I started running, and I ended up running the Pirates 21 in preparation just beforehand, and I didn't realize I was actually pregnant. And from the moment that I found out I was pregnant, my body just said, nope, we were not fit enough <laughs> to run beforehand. We're definitely not fit enough now. So I ended up running about 10 kilometers on the first mad to run, sort of intermittently, and I started the two oceans and then had to bottom out. But... Um, it did stir something in me to watch what other people were experiencing and the joy and the sense of accomplishment that came out of it. And I said, okay, I want that. I don't want to, you know, I, don't, I, I didn't love running at all, but I want that. And then over the years, definitely, and then I went back and I was able to the following year run the Two Oceans 21K, and I've done that now a few times. But Mad to Run really is my motivation. Mm. And I, I've subsequently now had twins as well. So I'm right at day one again of my running journey. Yeah. <laughs> but I do feel like now I've had my kids, um, not that I'm sleeping much, but I have the space <laughs> to, to dedicate to it because, again, year on year, I, I watch what people get out of it. So for me, um, as much as I don't enjoy it, and people keep telling me about this wall that I'll eventually hit and climb over and then love running, um, can't wait for that day <laughs> to come. Um, so it's a bit of a love-hate relationship with running, but I see the value in it, and I see the way people are able to, you know, like we were saying earlier, process their life, process what's going on around them, the sense of joy, feeling strong and healthy. Um, so I'm chasing after those feelings, um, and maybe one day I'll love it. Yeah, Look, I don't think it's ever easy. I've never met a runner who says, oh, no, this is just, it's so easy. Mm. There's always going to be, it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's always going to be uncomfortable. I still, I, I'm going to hold on to the belief, though, that one day, <laughs> eventually, I will just love it. You'll find the flow. <laughs> I will break through. Yeah, so, and that, and that is the thing, it's almost that, that's like quite a nice, a nice thing to keep striving for. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, so today actually this morning was my first 10k in about two and a half years. It's impressive. My knees are sore. Yeah. My knees are sore, but it's it's like a nice pain actually. Mm. Um and I was I was really nervous about it and I I asked my husband to come and run with me and like I said he's a very good runner. Um, and we ran, we were running um, around our area and one of, he's part of a running crew also called the PRC. So it's a group of very good runners. And someone from the PRC drove past us and he went, a PRC member walking, this is terrible. 
I used to like him. We used to be friends. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, I asked him to come along with me and just sort of help help me along, really. And because um, we don't normally run together at all. It's, I can guarantee you it was a very stressful situation for him today. But it is also nice. It's a, become a huge part of our, our family running. Yes. And in terms of Mad to Run, our eldest son, who's almost six years old, has been on three Mad to Runs, not including the time I was pregnant with him. He's like a mini manager. He knows exactly what's going on. He helps the carers. He helps the chefs. He goes on the road. I mean, he ran 2Ks last year at the pace of the runners, with the runners. He That's literally collapsed at the end of the two Ks, but he gives it all he's got. Oh, that's so cute. Um, and it's a wonderful thing. And so this year we're going on Mad to Run now in October and we're bringing all three kids with us. Wow. And the day we get to Cape Town is our twins' first birthday. So running is just kind of intrinsically a part of our life. So I guess I kind of have to just <laughs> get with the program. Just make peace <laughs> with it. So when is the, the Mad to Run 2020? And so, who's benefiting? What charities involved? With so it's all, it's the Mad Leadership Foundation. They're our sole beneficiary. It's, it's, it's the reason we're even called Mad to Run. So MAD is an acronym for uh, Make a Difference. Okay. And so if I can share just the story of, of the Mad Leadership Foundation, how they started. So Francois Pinot had, um, obviously, they won the World Cup in 1995. He became very good friends with Madiba. Madiba is actually his son's godfather, his eldest son. And he went to Saracens to go and play rugby. And he sat and had a lunch with Madiba. And Madiba said, that's fine. You can go. But you have to come back here and you have to make a difference. And that's where the name Mad came from. That's an incredible story. Yeah, it really does. It's still, I mean, I've heard it a few times, but it still gives me goosebumps because mm -hmm. it really means something. And, and to know that it was like from the heart of Madiba. So when Francois speaks to the scholars, because we get to go and they have um, annual summits where they have all the scholars, there's almost 300 scholars from across the country and they get them together. And Francois speaks to them, and they call him dad. And he talks to them about how you are Madiba's kids. And, you know, and, and what he's doing is, is handing over responsibility to them. He's saying, you know, this is, where you, this is in what name you are being, you know, raised. Yes. And go out and now be like him. Wow. And now go out and make a difference. Make a difference. And it's really an amazing thing because there's no expectation of the foundation on the scholars. Once they finish tertiary education, so, they, you, the, so scholars are on from grade eight up to the end of tertiary, there's no payback system, there's nothing like that. But the level of gratitude that the scholars have in terms of understanding something's been given to them, I should also give, is amazing. Well, and it's just inherent. Brought up in that culture mm. of, of what you put in, you get out. Yes. Yeah. And, and so they all are, and that's why the, the shift for MAD, in particular from moving to the MAD charity, was actually the scholars who said, we don't like the word charity. Because that's not what this is. We're doing something with what's being given to us. Yeah. Um, we're taking ownership. We're taking responsibility. We are going to go out into our communities and into our country, and we're going to make a difference. And so it came from them to shift the name from charity to leadership foundation. And, and, and that's why for us, they are our sole beneficiary. And every single year, what drives us to continue to grow and be better and, and have more runners, and we've actually introduced Mad to Ride. We now have a cycling event as well, of which we're going into our fourth one next year is to say we need to raise as much money as we can because they need to get more kids through their doors. Yes. And that's our sole motivation. And like I said, I mean, I 
don't, I barely run. I definitely don't ride a bike. So <laughs> these events are not from a passion for the sport. It comes from a passion of understanding that we, as Mad to Adventures, that's what our NPO is called, we can create platforms that get other people excited because they want to run and they want to ride across the country. And in achieving that personal goal, we can create awareness and drive funds for our foundation. Then being able to help people and create an energy where people just want to help each other. Yeah. That must be, like, what an incredible blessing to have. No, it's I sleep very well at night. Well, uh, minus the <laughs> twins, but generally... <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's for me from a personal point of view, it's my job is just to kind of steer the ship a little bit. It's got a life of its own. And every year where we have new runners and new riders, people bring new energy, new ideas, new resources to this project. And we talk about our mad family because everybody is a part of building this. So yes, I do personally feel incredibly fulfilled to have the job that I have. Um, and it wasn't necessarily an easy decision to leave teaching to take this on full time but mad to run and mad to ride was just getting so big and is so it's such an important it's not even an event we talk it's like a it's a movement mm -hmm. it's so so important and I can say this every year it's really really important for us to want to give back to our country but I, I, like this year I mean blows the socks off of any other year that we are tasked to be active citizens and we are tasked to do what we can from where we are and this is what we can do mm. and you know I'm very good at organizing so that's what I do and then to allow people to go on and create and share their own journey because it's so personal actually um, but it all everything becomes a little bit bigger than all of us as individuals yeah yeah so um, what were you lecturing before you got stuck in Branding. So I lectured strategic communication and research. Okay. So yeah. when you look back, the dots connected oh, perfectly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and what I learned as a teacher, just from what I learned from young people, I mean, I was a young person when I started teaching, but I just did not even close to have the life experiences. And again, like I can't stress this enough that the average South African has. I really didn't have a clue when I started teaching. Yeah. I had a car, I, my parents paid for my school fees, I, you know, and we weren't by any means, in my opinion, wealthy. Mm. And when I now think about it, and I realize my privilege, mm. I feel I have, that, that weight actually sits quite heavy on me yes. to, to give back, and if I can help anybody in any way. And so it became a part of who I was as a teacher to support scholars and my students and, 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 and even just to listen to them, I mean, in a very simple way, just to be somebody who goes, you know, I, I didn't know, and now I do, and now I know better. So I know better, so I try to do better. And so the shift for me really is a wonderful journey, and I do believe that God has placed me exactly where I'm supposed to be. So anyone listening to this who wants to get stuck in and involved, are you looking for volunteers? Or are you look, I mean, we know you're looking for money. Yes. <laughs> we need to, we need to. <laughs> we'll take know. anybody's money. Yeah. Um, so there's actually different ways to get, get involved. So, you know, like I said, each year we're looking for a new running team and a new riding team. So there's always opportunity to take part from the adventure perspective. Yes. Getting an opportunity to ride or run across the country um, is a special thing. So we, we're always looking for people to take part. Um, that's one way. If people want to just donate money, who are just listening to this and they just go, oh, I, I like these guys, I'll give them any money, really. Yes. <laughs> like, it's the collective. We, we raise our money with 
200 rand here, 50 rand there, 500. That's how we actually collectively raise our funds. So um, you could actually visit our website, which is mad, M-A-D, the number two adventures.co.za, and all the information there is to donate. Or you can find us on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, also mad number two adventures. Um, and there's often links. There's different ways that we can accept your money as well. Of course. <laughs> um, and... Sure. And then there's obviously the corporate side of things where we do have sponsors and we're always looking for sponsors. And the sponsor journey is a tough journey in and of itself to find companies that truly back you and will stay the course with you is very hard. So we've had, I mean, we've got wonderful success stories about a, like Liberty Two Degrees who have sponsored us for the last few years. Yeah. And it's a matter of going, okay, how much do you need? <laughs> and they just, and it's their CEO, Amelia Beattie, who is phenomenal. Um, she just really believes in what we're doing. And, and from a company perspective, they have a lot of investment in running and riding as well. So it makes a lot of strategic sense for them. But for her, just on a personal level, she, she just, she likes what we're doing and she believes in what we do. And, and so she'll find any way to be a part of it. And it's a wonderful thing. Um, on the other side of it, we have, you know, where vehicle sponsors every year is very difficult. And unfortunately, we've just lost our vehicle sponsor. Um, so we're scrambling at the moment. So if anyone's listening who has a 14-seater <laughs> vehicle for us, that's our immediate need. We have been able to sort of source other cars, um, VW, Hatfield, have come through to the party, which is amazing. And a lot of this is through personal connections. It's yeah. one of our runners, knew, you know, her dad knew a guy, and that's how we kind of survive. Yeah. Um, but we've just recently got another sponsor on, on board now, um, Infinity Galileo, who are definitely more involved on the riding side, but are wanting to venture into the running side. And they are going to be paying for all of our vehicles for our ride event next year. Brilliant. So we do exist in a bit of a zero-based, you know, constantly trying to find ways to to sponsor elements. Because whatever we don't have to spend money on, it goes directly to the scholars. Um, and we've got even a peanut butter sponsor. Shout out to Pure Bliss, because... Um, it's amazing. You need to fuel yourself. And like I said, any, any one rand that we don't have to spend on something to host our event goes towards the scholars. So our main goal is to try and get every expense covered. Yeah. So thirsty water, we're about to get 2,000 liters of water for MAD to run wow. now. And, you know, a, and a lot of people say, oh, I can maybe just give you some sunblock or I can just give you K-tape or whatever it is. And, and I think for people to realize that any little bit helps. And that really is the message that we're trying to drive at the moment, yes. that help out whoever you can, however you can. I think a lot of people think that they need to do these big things, mm -hmm. and it's not. Um, and similarly, when Sean, in, the, in 2012, when he had the idea about Mad to Run, and I was like, oh, this is so big, and you are not somebody who, you know, he's a big thinker. So our, our dynamic, <laughs> he has the ideas and then I make them happen. What I also realized is that it is just this one thing that we do, but we do it, to, we do everything we can to do it well. Yes. And to make the most of this one thing, you know, and, and you can't help everybody always, but if you can help someone, even just once, it matters. It does matter. And I think that's what we've all got to get our heads around. Yeah. It doesn't have to be massive. Yes. Yes. Everything counts. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I do think that almost hinders people sometimes. Mm -hmm. They think, oh, well, I've only got 50 rand to give. Mm -hmm. 
And there's almost like a, an, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed that this is all I can give. Yeah. And I'm saying like, if, if 10 people give 50, Ten more people go. Oh, they! I can give fifty. Oh, look at that! And yeah. then more and more people give fifty, mm. and and we now um, going into the end of our 2020 event. So we're not sure how much we'll raise this year, but we've already handed over 4.3 million rand to Mad wow. since 2014, and it is from the 50s, the 200s. Yes, that's where that money goes. Yes, yes. Dale, you are making such a difference in the world. This is, it's, it's so beautiful to have conversations like this because it gives you hope. You know, all we hear is the crises and the mm. bad news and the misery out there, but mm. there's so much good being done mm. and it needs to have more of a voice. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. So when, when COVID hit this year, um, all of our plans, we were running smoothly. And in fact, it was on day three of our ride which was the beginning of March when the first case of COVID was announced in South Africa. Yeah. And so one of the ways that we also raise our funds is the, the riders have pledge forms and they go and ask everyone to give them money per kilometer that they ride. And so we actually only collect that money afterwards. And the country went into just a tailspin and a bit of yeah. chaos. And, and, and I understand the uncertainties. People are sort of saying, well, whew, I don't know what's going to happen in my business, with my family, in my life. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can give, which is completely understandable. And so we then thought, oh, okay, we're not, and we weren't sure what was going to happen. And then we were trying to make plans to still go ahead with Mad to Run. And then there was the hard lockdown. And so what we realized was this is hard. Like there's a, there's a lot going against us this year mm. and you know so my job is to kind of like I say steer the ship and make some of the bigger decisions and I really had to sit down and think can we do this you know when do we do this how do we do this and if we can do this should we do it that's a good question you know mm. and and before the hard lockdown I was still wanting to push through sure. I was like we can still do this we can make this happen and then I had to say is this responsible you know, if every other sporting event is shut down and closing down and events in, as entire industry was almost wiped out, is this a responsible thing? Mm -hmm. And um, one of our runners had also actually said, what if one of us, you know, we're coming from Joburg, big city, and we go through some tiny little towns across the country. And what if we're responsible for spreading this virus? You know, and it sounded a little alarmist at the time, but it was a genuine concern. Sure. Um, mm -hmm what is our level of responsibility and and so I spent a lot of time and it was actually very stressful because there's a knock-on effect and do we just call it off do we try and postpone what do we do um, and so we made the decision to postpone so then instead of running to the two oceans marathon running to the Cape Town marathon which then was subsequently called mm -hmm. off as well mm -hmm. and we really had to sit and think. And then guys weren't running, they weren't training, and there was definitely a sense of, oh, maybe this is just gonna be called off, like this isn't actually gonna happen. Yeah. And I really realized genuinely exactly what you said, we need hope now more than ever. Yeah. And I'd spoken to Halette, who's the CEO of MAD Leadership Foundation, and I said, well, you know, well, we can hand over some money now, we did raise some funds, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And she said, well, actually the big issue at the moment is the scholars are struggling with their mental health the anxiety, depression, the just genuine uncertainty about life. That, you know, you imagine being sort of coming from a very underprivileged background, being given this opportunity. Mm. Here's your future. Uh oh. Sorry. Maybe I don't know yeah. if this what's gonna happen. Mm. Schools are closed, sure. what's happening? And that for me was the decider. 
because these kids are worth it. Yeah. They're worth the effort that, yes, this is hard. And I think that absolutely the easy thing this year would have been said, guys, we're just going to call it. It's just too hard. Maybe we're not going to raise enough money. Maybe this at the next thing. But actually, as a team, to make the decision to go, you know, we're going to do the uncomfortable thing. We're going to do the hard thing because... And maybe we're not going to raise money. I mean, there's every chance that we... <laughs> <laughs> we're not, but we're going to try. And mm. because I think it's symbolic, mm. we run across the country for the country. That's that's what we do. Um, and it goes, everything will kind of go back to dot. This is our one thing. This is what we do. So we're going to do it, yes. um, even though it's hard. Yes, but that's the difference mm. is you mm. do it even though it's hard. Even though it's and hard. that's what makes the difference in the world. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is so inspiring. <laughs> I think I want to sign up to run next you year. You definitely should. Um, and, yeah, like I said, I'm running now as well. So my actually my personal goal is sort of huffing and puffing this to my husband earlier. Is um, So we're going to keep running to the Cape Town Marathon, and I'm going to run it next year. Yes, I think I'll join you. You Come. can quote me on that. Come. I haven't done a 21 yet. It's my goal for this year. Good. Once that's done, yes. I'm in. That will, similar goal. Yes. <laughs> the 10 hurt me this morning, so I'll we'll get to 21. <laughs> We've got plenty of time. Yes. And with the right cause, yes. um, we know anything's possible. So inspired. <laughs> So thank you for making such a big difference. Oh. And I wish you all the, the luck and strength and light that there is to thank keep you. this really important um, venture going and changing people's lives because at the end of the day, it's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we need to do it together. Yes. And that's, that's the fun part. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where happiness comes from yeah. is when we do things together. Absolutely. So I can't wait to see what happens next. Cool. And I'll see you on the road for 2021. Totally. I'm, I'm in. I'm in and I'm putting it out there. I need a goal like this. But <laughs> you can't take it back cause. now. I'm not turning back, but it's, it's for the cause. It's not yeah. for me. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really incredible. So thank you so much. Oh, amazing. Thank you. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of the Reinvent Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All the links and more information can be found in the episode notes.